So we're looking at chapter six, immediate preparation. So I have a bunch of stuff that I'd like to say about this. Um, this is one of the things, so when I told you at the beginning of the class that I, um, that certain things in the book were important for me personally when I read the book, this was one of them. I think I, I didn't really appreciate um, the importance of a certain immediate preparation before entering into prayer. And I think I usually just sort of pulled out my Bible and without much ado launched into some sort of meditation, you know? And more and more, the, the preparation immediately before prayer um, is clear to me that it's, it's very important. And so we'll just look at a few of the things that are mentioned in the chapter, um, and I'll comment on them as I am somewhat want to do. So the first thing uh, is, is right there in the first paragraph, basically, of, the, of chapter 6. First of all, the presence of our Lord is recalled to mind, right? And there was a, there was a, a priest who used to say, you know, let us place ourselves firmly in the presence of God. And I'm not sure that I like that so much, right? Because in a sense, right, again, we want to have the emphasis that, that like, wherever we are, God's been waiting there for us, right? That in this real sense, like, again, he's the more important one. So I like this phrase more of calling to mind, recalling, right? And I just listened to a talk today by Father Ian Matthew, who's, I'm a big fan of Father Ian Matthews. And um, he's a really funny dude. And a significant section of the talk was about Teresa of Avila's use of the word representar in Spanish, to represent. And what his argument, which is a fascinating one, is that she's not talking about like using the imagination uh, to sort of conjure up this uh, imaginary image of Jesus being present. But really, his, his point is that what she means ultimately is allowing God to be present to us again, right? In his mysteries, in his, in, in his reality. And so the presence of the Lord is called to mind. Just to read this, wherever the meditation be made, the important factor is the development of a conscious realization of Christ is close to us and willing to engage in conversation with us. Sometimes the use of the imagination can be helpful for that. Right? Sometimes to imagine Jesus like in a position near us is helpful. There may be certain places, kind of interior places of prayer that you like to go. Um, a guy that I would direct sometimes, he just always found a fruitful place of prayer to be with Jesus in his workshop. Right? He would just go and they would just be there in Jesus' workshop together. And then he would go into his prayer, whatever the meditation was. And, and there's something really, it was just like, but that was a way that was helpful for him to, to enter into this reality of Christ's presence with him. St. Ignatius of Loyola, um, my friend and slowly maybe becoming yours, uh, in any case, says the following. Oh, I totally, uh, oh, that's what it is. Says the following in the spiritual exercises, and this particular number has like articles and books written on it practically. So this is, this is uh, in additional directions, number three, uh, paragraph 75 in the spiritual exercises. Okay. Ignatius writes, and this is before 
entering into prayer. So like he, this is towards the beginning of the exercises and now he's setting you up for a rhythm of prayer of how to enter into prayer five hours a day for the next however many days. I will stand for the space of an Our Father a step or two before the place where I am to meditate or contemplate with my mind raised on high, consider how our Lord beholds me. Then I will make an act of reverence or humility. So Ignatius has this really interesting idea of actually physically standing outside of the place that you're going to pray, remembering God's presence and then stepping into the place where you will pray and being with him there. You don't have to do that. It's kind of a neat thing. It's sort of a neat idea. But the main thing is this. I will remember how he looks on me. That's the key. And it's not imagining how God looks on you. You could imagine it. But it's really in faith, making that act and just opening yourself to the truth. Father, you look on me. Jesus, you look on me, right? It's entering into this place of prayer, of his gaze upon me. And different people translate the paragraph differently. This says uh, just that our Lord looks upon me, but many translators will say how he looks upon me. I'll just consider how does he look upon me, right? And so Ignatius is going to say, this is absolutely fundamental every time that you're going to enter into prayer. And this is a bit of a sidebar, but, but I said before, you know, there, that there can be flexibility in, in a method, right? And it seems to me that for some people, including St. Ignatius, there came a point when their prayer was only this step. And, and so there's this, there's a, somebody who was writing about Ignatius and he would pray sometimes on this balcony outside of his room. I believe this is what I remember correctly. And he would simply raise his mind to God. And then that was it. And they said tears would begin to run down his face and he would have to just be seated because he was no longer strong enough to pray in any other position. So he just raised his mind to God. And then that was, God took him. Right? Wherever. Where? Who knows? Right? Quien sabe? Right? In, in Spanish. Who knows where God took him? But that's always necessary. And even if you don't feel like something warm or like consoling or wonderful, the act of faith, Jesus, you look on me. And if, Lord, you want to let me know how, that's fine. Ignatius says, for the space of an Our Father. How long would it take you to pray in Our Father? Take that time to just remember that and how God looks on you. I find this to be an extremely important first step in prayer. Again, because otherwise, we can leave out the most important person in the prayer. Right? Like, we can leave out the fact that the Lord is the important one. And if we just launch into the rest of our sort of what we're going to do, we may not really be attentive to what he wants to say or his presence to us or the way that he wants to be present to us that day. So this is something that I'll, I'll, I'll strongly emphasize. And when I'm doing directed retreats, I pretty much, when I have people pray, I'm like, you do whatever you want to, but you always have to recall the presence of God 
and you always have to ask for the grace, and you always have to pray for an hour. Those are the ground rules. Everything else, you're free, right? And, uh, but so that's, this is a big one for me, and, and I think that it's very important, and so I, I emphasize it here. Second thing that the chapter talks about is posture. Um, and so the basic thing is not too comfortable and not too uncomfortable, right? Not too comfortable so you get sleepy and just fall asleep, and not too uncomfortable. And, and again, Father Ian Matthew, in another one of his talks, he says, you know, John of the Cross doesn't say a lot about posture, but it seems that the goal of prayer is receptivity, and so you should pray with a posture that helps you to be most receptive, right? And St. Ignatius of Loyola, again, just to, this is six, uh, 76, so just the, the number after the one I had just quoted you. I will enter upon the meditation, now kneeling, now prostrate upon the ground, now lying face upwards, now seated, now standing, always being on te- intent on, what, on seeking what I desire. Hence, two things should be noted. If I find what I desire while kneeling, I will not seek to change my position. If prostrate, I will observe the same direction. And two, I will remain quietly meditating upon the point in which I have found what I desire without any eagerness to go on. Huge important points. What is Ignatius? Ignatius is so practical, right? The guy's a soldier, Spaniard, lleno de fuego, right? Just like a fireball of a man. And, but when he comes to prayer, he's just like, listen, this is what we want to do is just receive from God the grace that we desire. He's like, and whatever, whatever position helps you to do that, do that. So he's saying, if I'm kneeling, like, if, so if I ask God for the grace of repentance, and I'm kneeling, and I, I just experience within myself the grace of repentance, then I will continue to kneel, and I will continue to receive. And if I'm not receiving what I want to receive from the Lord, and this isn't in a selfish way, right? Especially when I give you graces to pray for, right? Part of what we look at in prayer is, am I, am I receiving? Like, so there may be times when I say, I want you to pray to receive God's love more deeply in your heart. And all of a sudden you're getting taken off into thinking about your sins or something like that. It's not the grace. Come back, right? But so Ignatius is going to say, choose the position that allows you to receive what you are desirous of best, right? And we shouldn't pick a position that's unhelpful or is too uncomfortable, right? And so kneeling may not always be the best position, even though there's something objectively good about that posture. As human beings, it's good for us to kneel before God. I'd say especially modern man, us, it's good for us to kneel before God sometimes. But it may not be the best posture to go all the way through my prayer time in. Right? And so Ignatius, but he does say this, he says, now listen, I forget where it is. If you're going to pray laying down, don't do it in the church. Do it in your room. <laughs> you know, there was a couple times I directed retreat. I was a director and I'm coming into the chapel and I'm like, I couldn't get to a place to pray. I had guys laying all over the floor. I was literally stepping over people so I could go pray someplace. I'm like, go, go to your room, go to your room. But anyways, what are you going to do? You know, this is what happens when you have seminarians. So, so but, but the reality is, is that sometimes maybe that, that could be a posture that could really represent something important to you, right? 
to prostrate yourself before God. Even when we come into the chapel, we kiss the floor, right? That's like a, a really important posture. But when we enter into prayer, we want something that's going to help us to stay with the Lord, to be able to receive from Him, and not just to crash out. Right. So that's what I would say. But choose what's helpful for you, within the, which is also helpful for your brothers if you happen to be in holy hour, right? So don't do something that's too distracting. And then it talks about the eyes. Um, again, like, it's kind of a very practical little nitty-gritty thing. But, you know, we definitely... So most people pray better, and the suggestion is to keep the eyes closed all the time, most of the time, at least a good bit of the time. Some people find that very difficult, and so they need to keep them open and maybe looking at something. But if you're just looking around all the time, that's not going to, right? That's kind of the point is that's not going to help. But for the most part, the eyes sort of closed is what a lot of people would try or attempt. Obviously, you guys, it's not, you're not brand new at the whole thing. But just to be attentive to, there can be things that can be helpful, more helpful or less helpful when it comes to, to keeping your eyes open or closed or whatever. In adoration, um, you know, it, it can be maybe just to, to keep your eyes open and to look at the host. It can be beautiful, right? Or to look at an icon or something like that. Um, just, I'm sorry, to, to pop back just so we don't forget the Franciscans. Uh, St. Peter of Alcantara says about the position to pray in, right? So very similar stuff. So in chapter 5, he talks about six things which help the exercise of prayer. He says this is like preparing our heart is like tuning a guitar. So there's certain things that you can do to sort of tune the guitar a bit better so it's ready to be played, right? There's certain things you can do to prepare yourself to enter into prayer more so that you're more disposed. And position is one of them. And he just says... Make the sign of the cross, gather your thoughts, put away things of this life, lift our mind to the Lord, knowing that he's looking upon us. Right? Forget what's going on. Remember the Lord's looking at you. Right? And like, interesting, Ignatius of Loyola, Peter of Alcantara, Teresa of Jesus, they all talk about some sort of uh, humbling yourself before the Lord, you know, in prayer. Not something that I always would suggest, but these people do, so it comes with good authority at least, you know, not mine. Um, but so we have, we have that stuff, just position, sort of humbling oneself as a, a part of immediate preparation. Maybe I'll just read that. And I think at the beginning of prayer, St. Teresa advises the soul to humble itself before God. So does Ignatius, so does St. Peter. The, the one thing that I guess I would want to say is this. Um, I think the most important part of that, if I was going to explain it, would be this, that the real me is coming into prayer, right? Like, so humility fundamentally is truth. So be able to recognize, like, so humble oneself. You know, you may go into prayer and you may feel like garbage, you know? So in one sense, humbling yourself may be, Lord, I feel like garbage, but I know you still love me. Like, I know I'm not a piece of, you know, trash in your sight. And so, I know that you love me. You're the great one. I need you. If you, if you come into prayer like that, beautiful, right? So, to, to have the correct attitude when entering into prayer, 
of humility is extremely important. Poverty of spirit. I need you, and I believe you'll come through for me. Right? So that sort of a thing is always important to have that attitude, even if it's not verbally expressed, but it can be helpful to express it, as long as it's a healthy way of doing it. Right? And the only other thing that I, I'll mention and just toss in there, which somewhat is connected with um, this quote, longest quotation on page 30 from St. Teresa of, of Jesus, Teresa of Avila. She talks about the first thing must be an examination of conscience, confession of sin, singing, uh, signing yourself with the cross. Then look at your companion, right? So this idea of being with him, right? Imagine the Lord is at your side. See how lovingly he's, he's teaching you. And the only other thing that I would say um, as a part of prayer, and I'll ask you guys to do this, um, is to ask what we, what we say in more modern terms of asking for the grace, right? So St. Ignatius of Loyola, and I'm going to do an entire class in the Fundamentals of the Spiritual Life on asking God, asking in prayer. But St. Ignatius just sort of phrases it like this. I should ask for what I desire. So when he has the, the people entering into prayer, he always has them go through certain steps, and one of those steps is asking God for the thing that I desire to receive. Um, and so I just happen to pick the fifth exercise of the first week, which is the meditation on hell. So here's what I desire that I should ask for. Here it will be to beg for a deep sense of pain which the lost suffer. Okay, well that's not something that I would encourage you to ask for every time you go to prayer, but when you're meditating on hell, that's a good thing to ask for, right? But this asking be, as we enter into prayer um, is important because it's another thing that opens our capacity to receive. That's the real thing. We're not trying to manipulate God. We're trying to ask him for that which we believe he wants to give us so that we are more open to receiving that which he has prepared for us already. Right? Um, so that's the basic idea. And again, I'll, I'll give you a, a much lengthier kind of consideration of that um, a little bit later. Any, any immediate questions about chapter 6 here? Pretty good. Not too confusing. Okay. <laughs>